Welcome to the Curious Women Podcast. I'm your host, Kylie Fignano, and I'm here with my co-host, Meg Hager. Here, we're going to have chats about women's health to teach you the things that you didn't know you didn't know. Hey, all you curious women out there. Kylie and I are trying a couple of new things, and this is one of them. We are going to try to be giving our guests a very fun intro and telling you a little bit about the episode before we lead into it. So this week we are we have the privilege of being able to pick the brain of the beautiful and brilliant Shelly Najjar. She is a nutrition mindset coach with thousands of hours of training as a registered dietitian nutritionist and a certified intuitive eating counselor with a master's degree in public health nutrition. She uses an encouraging, practical, and non-diet approach to help busy women take care of themselves while meeting their goals. Her specialty is in addressing the why and how we eat, helping her clients develop a healthy and stress-free relationship with food so they can have peace with food, themselves, and their bodies at any size. Kylie and I really love this episode. It has a very liberating feel to it, and we really hope that you'll walk away being able to shed a little just 1% of the judgments that we carry around about food by the end of it. Shelly, mm-hmm. I'm sorry that you're having a week. I'm I'm hoping that this will bring some much needed levity into your week yes, and that you yes. can hang up from this in one hour and be like, you know what? It's still really exhausting to move. But, you know, let's just like break even, okay? <laughs> oh yeah, God. yeah. Exactly. At least we're not like expecting some, you know, miraculous results here. Like, and then after I talked to Megan Kylie, everything got magically <laughs> and and everything fit, and it looks great. And I'm so happy with the stuff that I have. As because we end the call, you your butterflies will just appear on the wall behind you. <laughs> yes, just like floating. I'm seeing the little yeah. birds, like in Snow White, like flying in through the window and just rearranging all your, unpacking all your furniture, putting your clothes away in the closet. That's what I'm seeing for you, and I'm I'm oh very much enjoying Great. it. Great. Great. That's fantastic. And I hope that for you, after, you know, our one hour conversation, that it goes back to being not, well, not back to being like whatever day you're having, but like maybe before that, like a better day. Oh, yes. Well, I think a nap is in order then. (laughs) We're going to do that. And I very much enjoy that idea. (laughs) I read something that said, if you think that every, let's see, how does it go? It's something like, if you think that if you're mad at everybody, you need to eat something. If you think everything, everybody's mad at you, you need to take a nap. <laughs> that oh my is God. A- Shelly, that's it. Goodbye, everybody. We're that's all, all you need for today. Words to live by. That's all we need. Appreciate y'all. Uh, make sure you Venmo or cash up, uh, cash up Shelly for her wisdom. Thank you very much. All right. <laughs> We're doing this on, on donation oh base, okay? Thanks, guys. Oh my god. That was hysterical. Oh my god. Shelly. Shelly, you just changed my life. <laughs> I think this is gonna go really well. Also, Kylie, are you eating French fries or Cheetos or what? Thank you. They're veggie straws. I don't know how long they've been here. Oh, I can't tell in the in the thing. I was like so excited about the the, the fact that they could be French fries, but then I was like they're really crunchy for French they're fries. They're super crunchy, yeah. I really wish that they were French fries, guys. French fries are one of my favorites. Uh, they they might be my favorite <laughs> food. I'm not kidding. I just said that to my sister yesterday. French fries. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I'm telling you. Oh man. 
I'm at my parents' house right now, and I was like, oh, my God, I haven't eaten in hours. I'm starving. There's not, like, a sensible combination of foods that exist in this house. It's like (laughs) they have, like, a banana (laughs) for lunch, and and they're like, no, but it's great. And I'm like, no, I'm not. That's too deep. We're not doing it today. (laughs) But so now I'm eating veggie soup. Oh, you could just hear the deflation and disappointment in that sentence. <laughs> oh my god, don't even make me start pulling out my weird combinations and of food that was on my plate yesterday. Don't even make me do it because you all I'm doing it. I'm gonna mm-hmm. make you follow it. Follow. Okay. We had leftover egg salad. We had uh a leftover salad, a turkey sausage, like one link <laughs> of turkey sausage. We had uh, left brown rice, leftover brown rice, leftover like sautéed um, onions and peppers, a dollop of Greek yogurt, and a and a little <laughs> drizzle of mango chutney. <laughs> How did that taste altogether? Actually, it was great. I have very weird did taste you, buds, though. Mm-hmm. Really weird. Did you eat it all separately? Please tell me. Yes. I had the I had the yogurt and the mango chutney on, and the rice and the peppers and onions. That was like together, and then the, <laughs> the other stuff I ate separately. <laughs> I'm sorry. Did you say that you had mango chutney, yogurt, rice, yes. peppers, and onions yes. all together? I sure did. And uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. I did. So I just want to be clear. The thought of separating out the onions, peppers, and rice from the mango chutney and the yogurt never, like, that didn't. No. No. That wasn't an option? Nope. Not exactly. Nope. That's okay. You want to know why? Call it. My friend Kayla was visiting last week, as as you know, and she made us this really good recipe from her boss, I think. It's an Indian recipe. It's called Kathi Rolls, I think is what it's called. So that was oh. half of the kathi rolls that I made. But I ran out of most of it, so I was trying to eat the rest of it. There and that's it how it happened. That's... All right. Now I'm so, But All the right. rest of it was totally random, like leftover stuff. Yeah. So anyway, I yeah. hope that makes you feel better about the cacophony of non-existing foods that are in your house right now. <laughs> How about that word, Meg? Yes. I was just about to say. You can say anything after that word. And I Listen, would be like, yeah. What? I told you I'm all business today, ladies. I brought the glasses out. We are business focused. <laughs> Whipping also, out the vocabulary. <laughs> I've never heard it pronounced that way. Maybe because I've what? only really seen it like written out. But it's- Shelly, <laughs> you don't know this about our show, but I have a history of mispronouncing normal words. <laughs> so it's very yeah. possible. But that is not the right way to say it. So don't get too attached to that pronunciation. <laughs> it's most likely possible and likely that it's something different. But we all knew what she meant. And oh, yeah. that is the only point. Oh, definitely, definitely. <laughs> the the purpose point. of communication, right? Just to communicate, just to like translate, let yourself yes. be ne- like your message is That's known. Might not even be the right use of the word, but you got it. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's something about sound. Anyway, like and we understood the energy that it was coming up. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yes. Right. <laughs> anyway, Shelly, what are you uh what are you drinking over there? You drink anything oh, fun? Yeah. Um so I have now that I've moved and I have I have a much better idea of how much stuff I actually have, including like how many duplicates mm-hmm. of things That's that I actually fun. have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's super fun. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you have to pack them on. You're like, why did I buy three of this thing when I clearly have one? But 
it's because mm. it keeps going on sale and it just happens oh, anyway so tea i have mm. a box of tea not like a nice little box of tea like people think of when they go to someone's house oh let me take out my little tea box <laughs> i have a box of tea like a moving box of tea <laughs> Like a small moving box of tea, like like a very large grocery bag sized box of tea. Anyway, you've got a box of boxes of tea. I do, and oh. I was thinking like, oh, most of these will probably be just like onesie twosie packets or like a tiny bit of loose leaf tea in a container that I can probably just combine. You know, it's gonna be fine into my one little box of tea, like normal people have. <laughs> So I looked at them and I opened every single How box. How wrong were you? Very, very wrong. So anyway, so I'm drinking one of the many, many teas that I have. This one happens to be a Earl Grey in a bag. Um, but it's great. Uh, it's great. I love tea. I'm not a coffee person, so tea um, is kind of what I'm drinking most mm-hmm. days, um, especially nice. in the morning. It really helps me. found out that I have ADD, which... Oh, welcome to the club. I was going to say, it's probably not super surprising. You've talked to me like, well, twice now, but, um, uh, yeah. So Shelly, we love and appreciate you as you are. This is a come as you are. Thank you. So Uh you know what? Come come at us with your moving box of tea. Okay. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But what I was going to say is I use tea to help me manage my ADD and it's, it is very helpful for me. So, um, it went from something that I just enjoy drinking and sometimes felt slightly guilty about it because, you know, everybody in like the caffeine thing and stuff, even though it's like way less than the 400 milligrams or whatever. I don't know if you do numbers mm, in the show. You mm-hmm. might have to edit that out. But um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> anyway. We're keeping it now, especially for that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, if, if this is what Google's for. Anyone, people, if you oh, want to yeah. know how many milligrams, yeah. <laughs> that's safe. what Google's for. <laughs> Generally accepted as the safe limit for most people people Mm -hmm. just saving you a shortcut for googling um Mm -hmm. anyway Mm -hmm. so i will sometimes feel slightly bad about that um but now i'm like great yeah this is like medicinal so yeah yeah well it is though yeah it it has been revolutionary um in the way that i'm able to manage so you guys we're planning on trying to do a whole separate add adhd sort of segment Uh but there's a little a little teaser for you yeah yeah meg what have you got going on over there Mm. i am still very much enjoying this smoothie the same the same one as like the previous maybe couple that we've recorded but it is protein powder spinach Oh, you know what? I threw basil in here, holy basil, because I'm experimenting with adaptogens. So I'm trying to like figure out how I can get some more adrenal nourishment in my smoothie here. So we threw that in unsweetened acai puree, acai, I say, I don't know. And again, another word. I say acai too. Yeah. Okay, cool. So (laughs) that's what it is then. We're going with that. Ginger, ovacetol is in there, slash avocetol. We're not sure. (laughs) Um, this is my smoothie of words I don't know how to properly pronounce. So anyway, that's that. And then also being a, the tea fan that I am, I have a little combination here of my ginseng, which you know I love, and dandelion I threw in there for some oh, fun. Oh, yes. I love dandelion. Mm-hmm. Yes. Dandelion routine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. So that's what I'm drinking. What are you drinking, Kylie? don't I have nothing fun to report at all because I am not where I need to be for my fun drinks 
I, I mean, remember no. my lunch? Do we need to talk about right. this? Lunch and veggie straws, right? No, but what I did find downstairs in my parents' fridge, which is almost sacrilegious, months ago, the last time I was home in May, I brought them one of my most favorite Olipops, the orange cream ones, which are not out all of the time. And I brought them mm. two. And there's still one in there, which, again, <clears throat> I don't comprehend. How has it been there for months? Un- it was waiting unopened, for you. Unacknowledged. Well, now this would be the perfect time to have it. But what did I do? I told Brian I'd wait for him so that we could split it and drink it together. No. What the heck kind of person? No. Uh-uh. So generous of you. Food. So generous. You know, maybe I, I don't. It's just not I'm good. against it's it. Not good. No. I know. I'm not, I'm not happy with my choice. No. But here we are no. drinking lukewarm tap water for my dirty water bottle mm. that's what i'm drinking oh god oh i'm not for that choice for you i'm (laughs) all for moving on ryan's biggest fan but nope not today i think you deserve that olipop (laughs) i appreciate that thank you collectively i appreciate mm -hmm. you then he can listen to this later and be like wow what a sacrifice (laughs) yeah exactly although i'm sure that he will hear about it prior to (laughs) yeah or you could be like listen meg said Meg told me I could drink the Olipop. It's Meg's fault. Meg told me I could do it. And it's her birthday soon. Uh-huh. And that just basically means that she gets oh, to happy say whatever she Thank you. It's next week. And I'm very excited. <gasps> I wasn't sure how I was going to slip that in. <sighs> but boy, was that good. <laughs> how smooth. If you didn't, I did. I would have. Because it's almost right? Leo season. I think technically tomorrow. <gasps> or is it today? Oh, my God. It is. This is Cusky. cusky. Today's my sister's birthday, my youngest sister's birthday, and she's Cusky. Oh, let's see. Uh, Yeah. Yes. Happy Leo season to all my fellow Leos out there. (laughs) Woo! Oh, I just. Meg has never felt more seen. Oh my God. I just got this like wash of like dopamine. (laughs) It's just. (laughs) So good. Anyway. See, that's all you needed. You thought you needed a walk this morning, Ron. No, I thought I needed a walk and a nap and all. No, I just needed to be reminded that today is the first day of Leo season. Yes. (laughs) I am at home. And we've come full Mm -hmm. circle. I am at home. All right. So speaking of having nothing to do with, (laughs) Shelly, welcome to the show. (laughs) Hi. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us? who you are and the work that you do. And then Kylie and I can dive in to start picking your brain. Sure. So um, I'm Shelly. I'm a nutrition mindset coach. I'm trained as a dietitian. Um, I think like the two of you, right? Mm-hmm. And yes. yeah, so mm-hmm. uh, dietitian as well. I have a certification in intuitive eating. Um, and what I do is that I help busy women who have a lot going on to really feel like they can take care of themselves and get all their goals done at the same time. Um, because as you know, a lot of us feel like it's one or the other. Um, so mm. being able to help them do both and um, to achieve the, the feeling that they can be healthy and enjoy their food. Um, because again, a lot of people feel like it's one or the other. Mm. So, um, you know, finding that balance where healthy can be fun and fun can be healthy and we don't have these good, bad foods lists and and all of that so that we can bring that joy back, um, feel more peace in and with our food and in and with our bodies um, and in and with ourselves at any size. Because I I think that it's really sad when people are waiting until 
some point in the future, whether it's because of the size or the shape of their body or because of the something else that feels unfinished to them. Um, when we're waiting for that thing to happen before we do something else that we would love to do, right? So something that is, you know, it, it's one thing to know about the timing of what we want to do, right? Because we can't do everything all at once. So there is a timing aspect here, but but not talking about that as much as like holding ourselves back from our own lives, like that, um, and I don't know if we'll talk about this later, but like that's one of the pieces that got me really interested in this in the first place was that idea that we often hold ourselves back from our own lives. And I don't like that feeling. I don't want that for other people. I want to help people, women especially, to feel like they can actually participate in their lives right now. Like you don't have to wait until, you know, you've achieved a certain dress size. I wanted you to share with us, please. I think a lot of people have at least heard of intuitive eating. And if they don't know what it is, they might have some sort of idea. And my concern is what their idea is versus what it actually is. And I think there's also a lot going around about health at every size or haze as it'll often be um, abbreviated. So if you could just share with us briefly, give us a little recap about what both of those things are and how they are connected and how they're connected to the work that you do, why that foundation is so important for you to be kind of springing from when you're talking about the mindset piece, because I think most people are like nutrition, a dietitian may not know exactly what they're going to be doing, but when we add in uh, a nutrition mindset coach component, I think that's something a little bit more nuanced. So just explain what those things are and how it works Mm -hmm. into what you do. Yeah. And I think you're right about the a lot of people have heard of both of those health at every size and intuitive eating and also have, there's so many different ideas about what that means. Right. And as I think it's always helpful to find them um, or at least ask for what the other person's definition is. So the one that I use um, or the way that I describe it to, to a lot of people is intuitive eating is the idea that we're going to shift from using the external rules and move the attention and our preference to the internal cues, Mm -hmm. like our preferences, like how hungry we are, not in the diety sense, but in the like, what would I prefer? How does my body feel right now? How would I like it to feel Mm -hmm. in the future? Um, And then combining it with the nutrition science, but in a neutral perspective. So not necessarily like, well, you know, we know that a carrot does, you know, has helpful for our eyesight, So I must need to eat carrots every day. No, that information is not, it's, it's not a rule that says you have to eat carrots or you have to enjoy carrots. Cause what if you can't eat them? Or what if you're like some of the people who are allergic to carrots? Okay. I, you know, that doesn't make any sense, right? Just because they're quote unquote healthy for you doesn't mean that you have to eat carrots. Now, like I had an experience like that. I knew, knew that almonds were healthy and good for us. We are supposed to eat a certain number of almonds every day, blah, blah, blah. The the research had come out around that time. This was many years ago. And that was a population-based study. Populations do not account for individuals, um, which is part of the problem when we have nutrition recommendations, right? Mm. They're Mm population-based. You still have to take that. And this is where the dietitian comes in. We can take those recommendations and help filter them and apply and help the the person sort through all the information that they're getting and say, 
what is actually relevant to me? What is actually relevant to my goals? Why would I do this? Like explain the background and how did this come about? And, you know, there's so many different pieces. Um, and so when we're talking about intuitive eating, we're talking about, okay, paying attention to our, our body's cues, paying attention to my preferences. So for example, almonds, I did not like the taste of almonds, still don't, mm -hmm. but my brain was saying, well, they're good for me. I should eat almonds. I should eat X number of almonds. I forget the exact amount, but it was based on that one study. And, and th th there's one problem, right? It was based on a study, one <laughs> study yeah, yeah. that was not, I was not a part of, they didn't study me. They studied a different group of people. Um, and it turns out I was actually allergic to almonds. So that didn't go very well. Um, but I kept eating them because I was supposed to anyway. So it's just one of my many examples of how ignoring the, the internal cues, our own personal internal cues, um, for the external rules or for the external recommendations, um, that would be the, the normal, right? Like that's kind of the diet culture that we live in override yourself, go with what everybody outside of you says. Mm. Um, you know, you, you need to try to be as healthy as possible or you are shamed for it. And instead we're, we're shifting that to saying, okay, if, if health is your goal, cause it doesn't have to be, but if health is your goal, there are certain things that we can do. Um, none of those include a lot of shame and guilt around your food. Um, it also doesn't include forcing yourself to eat. Actually intuitive eaters in many, in many studies have better health outcomes and better health indicators and lower risk factors than the non-intuitive eaters, the, the people who are basically doing the same dieting thing. Um, and so when you look at that, like intuitive eating is not ignoring every nutrition science and ignoring like, oh, well, some people are like, well, you can't tell me to eat chocolate every day. That's really what you're saying is just, I can eat as much chocolate and ice cream as, you, as I want. And I said, well, yeah, you can, but just think about that. Like if you really allowed yourself to eat as much chocolate as you wanted because you have the permission food is a basic human right it's not something that's off limits to us if if you give yourself that permission to unconditionally eat ice cream what would you feel like how would your body feel mm. you're like well you know I, I probably have a headache and and i would feel sick to my stomach um i'm like okay and how would it taste after a while I'm like what would you well no i love ice cream I'm like well have you ever been in that situation before Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, <laughs> because we never let ourselves get to that point, right? right? We never let ourselves, it's always this off limits food. It's always something that, you know, is this mystery magical thing that we've now elevated so much that it takes so much willpower. It takes so much effort to ignore it, um, where it could just be a food. Wow. And that's what intuitive eating is for me is, is moving past all those rules, all the expectations of ourselves and eating and what it means to be a healthy eater, what it means to be an eater in general and a human being and all these expectations and to say, okay, we need food. That's a human need. We need food. And now how do we like, how do we move forward with that and with your preferences and with your, with your cultural considerations? Because even the definition of what is a food changes across cultures. So it's, it's much more flexible for the person. It's much more flexible for the situation. Um, and health at every size plays a big role in this because it's not saying that everybody is healthy at the size they are because not everybody is healthy period, mm. right? Like it doesn't matter size or shape. Like 
we're just not all healthy. And for some of us, you know, health as it's usually defined means that if you have any kind of chronic condition, you're not healthy anymore, technically, right? So healthy is usually the absence of a disease. Even even to have an allergy, an almond allergy would mean that I am not healthy mm. and I have other things going on. So like, you know, there are, there are lots of things that could be considered like, hey, you know, even even as dietitians, we may not be this pillar of health that everybody thinks we are just because of the definitions that we're using. But health at every size takes that focus of trying to be healthy as like the number one goal and, and equating that with a certain size or shape um, and really focusing on what are the health behaviors that we can do that are associated, like in the, in the research, they're associated with actual health that we can change and to accept the things that we cannot change. So our size and our shape, those are largely out of our control. Um, the one exception to that for a lot of people is that the more that you try to lose weight, the bigger that you will yeah. get um, for for the majority of people, right? Um, there's pretty consistent evidence on that in the long run. Um, but for, for a lot of other people, like there are things that we can do. If you're thinking of, you know, letting go of that goal to lose weight, to lose weight, there's lots of things that we can do to be healthy, regardless of whether our weight changes or not. Mm. So that's where I'd put the focus is what are the modifiable health risk factors? Wow. So that's the, that's a term from, you know, <laughs> nutrition school. Um, but basically for listeners who didn't go to that school, um, didn't go to dietitian school, <laughs> just means what are the things that we can change that are associated with mm. our health and our risk factors for health and weight isn't mm. one of them. Wow. Oh my God. There's so much to unpack there. Oh boy. But I, I really love that you pointed out the difference, like, because I, I hear that too. I'm not an intuitive eating dietitian, but I, I hear that about intuitive eating from people who are either interested in, or maybe skeptical or maybe none of the above, but the, the reaction is, Oh, so I can just eat whatever I want. And you very clearly are like, no, ma'am, you are going to be changing who you're listening to. You're not listening to the outside. You are now listening to the inside. And that is a really cool clarification. So thank you for that. You know, when you have people come to you, I imagine, and maybe this isn't everybody, but I imagine that it's a lot of, there's a lot of resistance to this idea. There's a lot of unlearning involved. There's a lot of, well, how could I possibly listen to my internal cues when I don't even know what that means. I have no clue what you're talking about. What am I listening to? Um, what, what, I mean, I just kind of want to dive right in because I think that's most people, right? We are starting this from a very young age where, you know, our parents lovingly tell us you can't leave the table until you clear your plate whether that child is hungry or full or somewhere in between, it doesn't really matter. It's clear of the plate. And we are taught very soon to ignore those internal cues. And so, you know, an adult 30, 40 years later, they're not going to know what the hell you're talking about. And I think this is where a lot of people start to feel like they have no idea what they need or what they like. So I'm going to have a starting point of listening to the outside and just follow that because I don't know what else to try. So I think that's a lot of people. And so when you get these people in front of you, 
what are what is your starting point? What can somebody start thinking about right now in order to help transition from one side of this story to the other? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, because I often hear that too, like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't know when I'm hungry or when I'm full, like, or I'm hungry all the time. So if I listened to my hunger, I would just be eating all day long. And then that touches on a lot of fears people have. And so we're unlearning, but we're also addressing a lot of the fears and the what ifs and, and, you know, just the, I think the confusion and unknowns around trying something different, right? Because like you said, if you don't know, then what do you have left? Then you go to a dietitian and you say, tell me what to eat. Totally. And we've all heard that, right? What, what should I eat? Um, oh, you're a dietitian. What do you think about this? Like grade my food and then tell me something better. And it's not like that. Um, so like you said, there's, there's a transition period and it's not like it just happens, right? Oh, well, we've transitioned once and we're done. Like, it's a process of unlearning and it continues because we're just swimming in this water. This is how I often tell people. It's like, we're swimming in this water. And so you don't even notice it until something pops up and you're like, well, where did that come from? I thought I was done with that thought. Uh, but it just, it just like, there it is again. Right. Um, so it really depends on where the person is in their journey. And like, like you said, what is their story? Because sometimes people are going to be part of that clean plate mm-hmm. club. Other times people are going to be in that, like, I'm hungry all the time place. Other people are, will be like, no, I'm never hungry. Or I go between hungry and then full, or I know exactly what to eat. I've been eating healthy my whole life. And that by itself is already a big thing. Um, and so there's plenty of different things I might say. Um, if I take one of the most common ones that I see uh, with women, especially, I use this phrase, like women have a lot going on. So a lot of times there's a lot of distractions. There's a lot of things in our lives. There's a lot of events. There's a lot of demands on us. Um, We don't always, like you said, Kylie, we don't always even know what Mm -hmm. we need. Um, But even more than that, sometimes we don't even know what we want. Like we don't even know what we like. I've asked the question before about like, what's your favorite food? And people can tell me what they crave or what they are feeling uncontrolled around, but they can't really tell me what their favorite is. Like they don't actually know. Wow. So if you don't have a favorite food, that could be a place to start. It's just exploring your preferences. Like, do I like this food that I'm eating? You don't even have to change anything. You could just go through your day and, and just start thinking about like, do I actually like what I'm eating? Do I like this drink? Do I like the foods that like we were talking about at the beginning? Like, do I like these foods? is this the experience that I want? You know, what is my experience in this moment of this thing, of this food, of this drink, of the way that I'm eating? Like maybe you're just really tired and you you haven't never noticed it, but maybe you're really tired of always eating while you work or always eating while you check your email. Can you clarify for us? Because you had mentioned that a lot of people may not, when you ask them what they like to, or what their favorite food is, they tell you either what they're craving or something else. So can you can you verbalize the difference between what it means to actually like and enjoy a food versus craving? I feel like some may not even, if that's what they're answering you with, some people listening might not even know what the difference is. So when I think of cravings, I think of that thing that like feels almost like an impulsive kind of desire. Like, oh, I want this thing, right? Like we just started talking about French fries and I really want <laughs> French fries. 
Okay, but let's be honest, like I, I really want French fries most of the time because mm. it is one of my favorite foods. So that in that sense, it overlaps quite a bit. But I don't always want French fries mm. and I don't feel uncontrolled around French fries. I did at one point, but I don't anymore. So I think that there's differences in in how we experience those things. Um, the same food, right? The same French fries. We can crave those French fries. Like we have this intense desire for them. We can enjoy the french fries which may overlap with the craving once we get it um where we're really feeling satisfied around that food right we're, we're satisfied either in the experience or with the taste or the texture or something about that is very satisfying to us in that moment um, and that's where i would say is more the enjoyment piece right the satisfaction and then we could also say that we're feeling out of control like maybe there is something we enjoy about it maybe we did crave it but every time we decide to, a lot of times you hear people use the words indulge or when I give in, um, then it's like, I just have to eat the whole thing. And I, there's, there's a satisfaction or there's an enjoyment, a pleasure, but not satisfaction. Wow. Right? So pleasure is now in the moment and satisfaction is broader than that. Satisfaction expands to how do you, do you feel after, after the experience, the exact experience of eating the last bite passes your mouth. Are you still enjoying that? Did you mm. still enjoy that? Was it still pleasurable? Was it still satisfying? Or was it just pleasurable in that moment? Then that's a different experience, right? And that's where I'd say, like, if the food is satisfying, it's probably more one of your favorite foods or, you know, food that you really preferred in that moment. Um, mm -hmm. If it's just pleasurable, it could be one of the other two. Obviously, there's overlap. Sure. There's a lot of exceptions, right? But but that's kind of the general way I'd explain that difference. Wow. That oh, is that's so, so helpful. Rich. Yeah. Yeah. That's really. And, and Meg, if you don't mind, if I keep going with this question, no, please I, do. Mm -hmm. I think you're starting to talk about cravings now. And I, I know a lot of people who, you know, both professionally and personally who there, it feels very hopeless. I cannot eat sugar at all or else I will not stop eating it. I can't eat any of the chips or else I will not stop eating them because I crave them. Um, uh, the, that, that uncontrolled feeling that you were talking about, Shelly. And so my, my more direct question here is what the hell – do we teach these people? What do we tell the person who is, you know, any of us can relate to this at some point, but I do know that there are a lot of people who struggle with this on a more consistent daily basis than others. It's just, that's one of those things. And so what, what can we tell this person to either do, not do, think about, change or alter how they're viewing something in order to help bring some sense of relief to what I know is often explained as a burden, yeah, a real burden. Yeah. And like you said, I think we've all had those moments where we do feel out of control around our food. I'm thinking of the white cheddar popcorn right now for myself. Oh my God, so am I. <laughs> the smart food. So smart food. I cannot. The black Don't. bag. The black bag. Don't you come Don't near me it. with that black bag. Oh my God. Don't open them. Get the snack size bags or else the whole fucking thing is done. I Meg, I almost said it and I thought, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to call them out. No, I mean, no. Call, in they terms need, of relating. They need to be called out 
because they put crack in their popcorn. That is the problem. So Shelly, help sure. us. Help us and the rest of us out there. Tell us now. <laughs> yeah. So I think one one thing to know, like obviously you're joking in that sense. Um, but I think like even in the language, right, that we're talking about it in, it's it's so, you know, there's there's an addiction type of language mm. around enjoyable foods. And it's like, okay, so enjoyable foods is not like enjoying a food. Let's start there. Enjoying a food is not a bad thing. Right. right? Okay. Okay. And so we're releasing the, the guilt. <laughs> enjoying a food is not a bad thing. The food is neutral. We're releasing the guilt. Food is neutral. It's mm-hmm. just food. It's not a good or bad food. It's just food. Popcorn is a whole grain, number one. So like, even if it wasn't though, even if you were just like ice cream or like straight up spoonfuls of sugar or something like that, like, okay, it's neutral, Right it's going to affect our bodies differently than something else. Of course, every food will do that. That's not unique. It's not saying like, wow, there's nothing Mm -hmm. good about this food and and something good about that. No, it's just different. Sugar is carbohydrates. We need carbohydrates to survive. Yes, we do. There's benefit in all foods, (laughs) right? So like there, it really, you can say that it is neutral. You can say that it's okay to eat. It's okay to enjoy your food. And I think starting there for some people, like there's so much resistance that comes up. And so if you're hearing me say this and you're just feeling like a ton of resistance, like no, no, no. Even if you like, there's a part of you that wants to like, that would be the dream. Like for some people that could be true. Great. Start there. Hold that thought. Because Mm. if you can start to change your belief around some of this and some of the eating, even for other people, like it may not be true for you yet, but maybe for other people, they could eat that you've just started making a little bit of progress, right? Because for somebody out there, it could be true. Maybe for certain foods, they could be safe. And we just start growing it from there. Um, If what I'm saying now is like, great, like, no, that makes sense. I'm totally on board. I, yeah, all food fits. Fantastic. All food fits. That means unconditionally, all food fits. Whether you ate a lot yesterday, ate a little bit yesterday, you can still eat today. And when we start thinking about like, this is a food that I would really like to have. Are we restricting our food? That's the next step is when you're looking for restriction of any kind, like maybe you're like, no, no, I eat so much. I hear this a lot when I start asking these questions is people say, no, I eat too much. I enjoy my food too much. Mm. Then my question is always, who tells you what is too much? Ooh. Where are you getting that from? Whoa. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because that oftentimes is the external rule right or the bag itself right because we label the bag and the bag says well only this amount is supposed to be allowed and say no that's the measured amount because how else are we going to tell you what is in it if we can't like we just said oh well it has you know x number of grams of something in what amount we don't know we didn't put that on the label so we have to put it on the label because there has to be something there just to say that was the measured amount that we test these things in it doesn't necessarily mean this is your allowed amount that you Correct. you can only eat up to, mm-hmm. right? So we can let go of the guilt there too. And we can start saying, okay, we're not restricting the amounts. We're not restricting the food. We're not restricting the time of day. We're not restricting that I can't eat this, but you might be able to. Mm-hmm. We're not restricting that I can only eat it out on certain occasions when I've been good or when, when I'm going to go work out or at a party, but not on you know a weekday by myself in my house. No, it's a lot. Unconditional permission to eat means you are giving yourself the ability and the permission to eat mm. anything at any time. And we're seeking satisfaction. So at some point, there will be a point 
and and this takes some time to tune into, right? Because I've definitely, like I used to say too, that, oh, there's no point at which it stops being tasty. Mm. But there's usually a point at which it stops being as good or as like as much of a draw, mm. right? And sometimes it's just a matter of like, I mean, okay, that popcorn, Cheetos, for example, I love Cheetos. <laughs> for me, I have to take breaks when I eat Cheetos because at some point it stops being satisfying when I have enough stuff on my fingers that I'm like, <laughs> I can't feel the Cheeto anymore. <laughs> I need to, I need to like wipe it off or lick it off or something or like switch to using chopsticks to take them out just so that I can like feel it again. Like there's something distinct in that, in the experience of eating Cheetos that is no longer satisfying once I have enough buildup of the, the cheese on my fingers. I love that. Same with the popcorn. There's just something about it. And so in that moment, I have that choice. And like, yeah, I still keep eating them afterwards, right? But there's that moment to adjust the experience so that it's more satisfying to me. Mm. And it's not based on, well, after so many Cheetos, I need to take a break and reassess if I'm, you know, really, really wanted the next Cheeto or did I not? Like, I'm into the next serving size. Now, no, it's just about, this is, let me, let me let my satisfaction drive this experience. And sometimes I guess wrong. And sometimes I'm like, well, that was, that was too many Cheetos as defined by now my stomach kind of hurts or now I'm feeling super thirsty Mm. and I need to go get water and I don't have water with me. Things like that. Right. Like, okay. But those internal cues are the ones that are defining how much is too much, not the external rules about somebody just giving me an arbitrary number of how many Cheetos I can have or how many popcorn pieces I can have or saying this food is better than that other food um, or labeling it like, okay, the cheddar popcorn that comes in the, the Christmas tubs, versus in that bag that's labeled as like the smart healthy choice because you know a lot of people would say that the christmas tubs are like oh that's like junk popcorn Mm -hmm. and they feel really really guilty about eating that one compared to the the black bag the the white cheddar popcorn in the black bag because that bag is marketed as the smart healthy choice Mm. so it's the same idea right like we're just putting a halo on one of them and not the other one Mm -hmm. And saying like, well, that's an allowed food and that's not an allowed food. I'm not saying that they're exactly the same food. Like they have different ingredients. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. But so does an apple versus a banana. And nobody's saying like, well, one is better than the other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's probably somebody out there saying that. I mean, diet <laughs> culture comes up with all kinds of things. So I really should watch my extreme language. But, um, you know, it, it's it's really silly to be saying that we we are only allowing ourselves to eat and take pleasure from certain foods and not others. Like it's, it, everybody would be like, oh yeah, if I could really enjoy salads, that would be the best. If I could like cake less, that would be the best. Why? Why is that the best? Mm. I want to have a life that's enjoyable. I want to enjoy my food. I don't want my food to define my life or myself, but I want to be able to enjoy and take pleasure in yeah one of the most simple joys of life, right? Something that is so important around the world to different cultures that can bring people together, that nourishes us. Like we don't have a lot of other things that is a need and like Mm. this great pleasure and this great art form and all these different things. And it's such a rich experience to be missing out on just because we're saying that one thing is worse than the other when even around the world that varies, right? So why, why did we arbitrarily pick this one? Why in 20 years would we pick something different? It doesn't make any sense, right? Like let's just make it food again let's make food food again (laughs) 
So do you have certain practices or strategies that you use with clients to help them? We've talked a lot about so far about resetting, uh, um, rewiring the brain almost, rewiring the thought process around food, rewiring how we think about the experience of food. Do you have tools that you use to help cl- to help clients do that? And I'm asking because, again, I'm not an intuitive eating dietitian, but some of the things I've heard are things like, you know, avoiding distracted eating, eating really slow. So I'm just curious about what your tools are, um, if you have any that you use with clients that you think are the most helpful. Yeah. And even in, in that list, right? Like we always hear about, oh, mindful eating and everybody goes to the raisin example. With you experience the super slow raisin eating experience where you're like even listening to the raisin about like experiencing it in all five of your senses and like what is Wait, it? I've never what does heard it sound like before. as you You've never heard this? Oh, okay. No, I so, don't think so. <laughs> apparently, some sometime I forget who it was exactly, but somebody created this mindful eating practice of eating a raisin, which is something that a lot of us just like pop in our mouth and it's gone. And eating this raisin in a way that involves all five senses as as a way to teach mindful eating. Mindful eating is not the same as intuitive eating, but but that's mm. often what people think about when they think about like intuitive eating is like, oh yeah, slow down, right? Eat, uh, chew everything like a hundred times. Like that's a diet mm. rule. You know, Ooh. having to to eat like forcing yourself to eat only without distraction. Another diet rule, mm. right? If you choose to do that, that's fine. Diets don't own that behavior but you don't have to, right? So if you're, if you really want to take that mindful meal, great. If you don't, because that's just not the reality, maybe you have a lot going on. (laughs) Like a lot of my clients do, you're very busy or you just would prefer to read while you eat or, you know, there's other things. Like there's many reasons why you may not be able to like fully put your attention. Maybe it's not just that enjoyable, like, you know, veggie straws for lunch and you really don't (laughs) want to be paying attention to it. Great. That's okay. Right. It, that is also a neutral experience. And then, okay, how are we going to make that the most satisfying that it can be given the certain situation? Right. And so maybe you're going to eat them while you distract yourself with a conversation, or maybe you're going to eat them while you plan another meal that is going to be more satisfying or when you check emails or something else. And for the clients who that is not satisfying for them, then I encourage a mindful bite. So sometime during that meal, the beginning, the middle, the end, when wherever you feel like it, have a mindful bite where the only thing you're doing in that bite is eating, experiencing that food. And then there's no obligation to continue it that way. There's no obligation to stop eating at that point because a lot of people are like, well, once you really check in, then you have to stop eating. No, it's just information, Mm. right? My job is to help people make informed decisions. The more we gather information, the more informed our decision can be. So as you check in with yourself, that can be really helpful. So, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of saying, how am I feeling right now? And if you don't know, then you can say, am I comfortable or uncomfortable? And that can give you some information, right? And then you can help figure out what to do next. So even in, even in the process of eating, right, um, if you... If you're not feeling very great about your food, but you have a lot of other options, you could even go, do I want something different, right? Or you could say, okay, well, next time I want something different, but for right now, I'm going to decide not to waste this food. And so I'm going to eat it. I know it's not the most satisfying, but I'll still tune into my hunger and fullness instead, right? So I do a lot with hunger and fullness, um, and I call it the hunger and fullness map. 
because I'm looking for landmarks and I'm teaching people to look for landmarks. We're not looking for numbers on a scale, which is often what people refer to when they're talking about the hunger and fullness scale, where it's like a ruler. And so I still use numbers just to quantify something that isn't super quantifiable. Um, But really you're looking for what are some of the, the landmarks? Like if you were giving directions to somebody who didn't know the area, you wouldn't say like, well, then you turn left on 96th street and then you turn right on 12th street. And then you're in this small town where there are no signs. So how do you know? Right. So you would tell them, well, you turn left by the post office and then you turn right at the stop sign. And so you're looking for those landmarks, right? So it's the same way we say, okay, based on research, these are other things based on client experience, other clients experience. These are the things to look for. These are some of the subtle hunger cues and subtle fullness cues in the middle range so that it's not this giant surprise when you're like starving ravenous and then you jump over to Thanksgiving level full, right? There's in-betweens and you can figure out how to reestablish those in-betweens using that tool. And so that's one of my very helpful tools. Another one. Hmm. um, Wait, before you go on to that next tool, I think could, could you just give some examples about like what some of those hunger fullness cues are? Yeah. So one of the mild hunger signs um, that a lot of people overlook is just like a slowness in thinking. Um, When you start kind of hitting that like a little bit slowly, things just aren't quite making sense. That's one of the early signs. Um, Unless it goes on too long. And then that's like that kind of like lethargic kind of like my brain is mud feeling. Like Mm -hmm. that's a much later sign like where there is no concrete logical thought coming through this. I imagine hanger falls in that category too. Like right there. Mm, yeah, hanger. But before you get to hanger, you might even feel like the impatient in your head feeling. Oh, you know, like when when somebody's just walking too slowly, and you're you're behind them, and you have someone be, and you're polite <laughs> still, literally like you're contained, you're polite, but you kind of have the impatient feeling inside of you, like mm-hmm. oh, we need to go, or like you're driving, you feel the same way. Um, it's the same kind of feeling. Like take that feeling and put it inside of you, and then address it to everything, right? If you're feeling that kind of like impatient where you still have self-control over it, it doesn't just pop out of your mouth. You're not, you know, raging at somebody or yourself, but you're just kind of like a little on edge. That's an early hunger sign. On the other side, um, as you get less interested in food or you start slowing down in your eating, that can be an early full sign, um, approaching comfortable fullness, right? So we talk about comfortable fullness because there's full and there's varying degrees of full and we can be, like I said, Thanksgiving level full, right? That's kind of like the max out where you just feel like if I move, I'm going to pop or things are going to come out to make space. That would be the extreme of fullness. Hmm. Then there's other things that are like before that. Right. And so we're hoping that as we get more familiar with these things that you can start noticing them earlier and earlier. So you can stay around that comfortable sense of fullness Hmm. where you're satisfied, you're ready to move on to the next thing. That's, that's one of the phrases that came from a client that I was working with. And she said, you know, after looking at this, like, I think that's one of the things that I've noticed is food just doesn't hold that same interest and excitement anymore. Mm. Um, it's just kind of, it's there, like it still tastes good, but I'm kind of ready to move on to the next thing of my day. Like I've eaten. I like that. And now I'm like, I'm kind of more excited about what's next, not the food. Yeah, that's so helpful that I have a much more clear idea now. Um, I was blaming, I was using the listeners as a, as a front for, I need help understanding what this means. (laughs) (laughs) 
so thank you listeners for being my my guinea pigs anyway so we were going through the list of tools yeah um another one i have is i call it my custom menu and basically it takes some of the overwhelm and the decision fatigue out of trying to plan a meal when you're really busy or when you're really tired or when you know it's probably time to eat but maybe those hunger signals are offline right now for some reason so you're gonna have to choose a different way of doing things so i i encourage people like well then we're eating every so many hours um and so when you get to that point like food isn't that interesting when you don't have your hunger signals so what do you do you eat something that is you know tolerable in your stomach that feel it's going to feel okay but that you know is also tolerable in your taste buds you're not trying to force yourself to eat something that tastes horrible um and, and like i said because our hunger signals may be offline in that moment maybe we're super stressed or sick or something like that or maybe we're just so busy we just haven't really thought about like what we might want to eat okay let's just have some ideas or maybe we let ourselves get really really hungry and now we need something fast let's have some ideas, right? Where we don't have to go through the whole process and search all of Uber Eats to find out that we're going to eat a peanut butter sandwich at home. So this is kind of the place where that comes in really handy, where you think ahead of time on a day when you're not feeling that way about things that you like that are easy for you to make that you're going to stock for on a regular basis so that you don't go through your list and you're like, well, all these sound great. I have none of these ingredients Mm. Um, because it's nice to be a little bit prepared. And so people really have um, benefited from that tool because when you're in those situations, right, it can be really hard to respond to our needs, even when we do know what we want. And even when we do know what we need, it just, that little extra barrier of trying to figure it out of like, well, what do I have around? Or like, how am I going to make a dinner out of, you know, croutons and veggie sticks and something (laughs) else, right? Like, it's just, you get these random things, but if you have the ingredients that you know can make a meal, that makes it so much easier. Mm-hmm. And a big part of being able to nourish yourself and you know take care of yourself is to have the things that you need to take care of yourself. So like if you had a puppy, for example, you would try to have puppy food available, right? You wouldn't just be like, oh, you need to eat again? What? That's so surprising. Oh my God. <laughs> no, you would buy a big enough bag of puppy food to, to make it. And when it starts running out, you'd buy another one because the puppy needs to eat. And so we can, we can understand it like that external to ourselves. Like, oh, this is something cute that I want to take care of. But when we think about it for ourselves, we're like, eh, it's, it's okay. I can skip wow. this one. Well, we can't do that forever, right? Oh, yeah. That landed. Mm-hmm. That landed. Yeah. I think that's going to land for a lot of people, actually. Yeah. Because I, I, I relate very, very deeply to, like, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> And here we are with the bag of veggie sticks. Jesus. And I'm starving. And Shelly, let me tell you, I was talking to Meg on the phone while I was driving home to do this. And I, I, Meg saw a side of me that I don't really care to let a lot of people see, to be honest with you. <laughs> but this person was driving so un- unfathomably slow in front of me, like no reason whatsoever. And I was just losing my shit. <laughs> I'm also starving. I'm starving. I'm so hungry. That does happen. The fact that you brought up that specific example of like the hunt with the hunger cue, I that's why Kylie and I started laughing because we just like not even an hour ago <laughs> we were having that conversation. <laughs> Great example. That was an hour ago. I've had thirteen veggies <laughs> since then. I'm still hungry. Okay. <laughs> 
anyway i can also add to this from a personal level like i very also very much feel sometimes like it's harder to prioritize caring for myself and being like oh i can sometimes i'll be like well i'm not really that hungry like i'll just keep working or whatever you know and and lately i've been experimenting with changing my mindset around of being like no like if i am a if i am a goddess a goddess needs to be fed no like she cannot skip her meals she has to be nourished at all times <laughs> you know what i mean and that's yes, been she does. very helpful so it really speaks to what you were saying about just really taking the time to prioritize your own needs and how easy it is even for us as dietitians the all knowers of food i guess or the i don't know whatever you want to call it <laughs> not all knowers but doctors of food i don't know whatever um even us. And so I think that's a very, those are really, really helpful. So thank you so much for sharing those. Yeah. I have a new one coming out too. Um, the new one is around stress eating, which we didn't talk a whole lot about, um, but I feel Mm -hmm. it's also Mm -hmm. very relevant. Um, so this one is a new perspective on your stress eating. And so it has three parts. One is a question and answer that, um, just my response to somebody's question about what would I do to stop their stress eating? Um, how would I approach that when they feel like they really have a problem? I struggle with eating when they're stressed or eating because they're stressed. Um, and so that's just really practical information, including like maybe part of it is just accepting that this is a coping tool for you, right? This is a coping tool for you and giving yourself some compassion and grace in that moment. And so if you feel like you're struggling with stress eating right now and you're listening to this, that could be one step to take right now is to just say, I really am grateful that I had food, that I have food to help me cope in these stressful situations, because that can really take the stress down because otherwise we pile stress on stress on stress, right? Stress because we're already stressed, stress because then we ate something then we feel like we're failing more stress on that. Yeah. Just take that all down and kind of calm the system and say, okay, I'm glad I had that. I'm, I'm glad I'm coping in the way that I can right now. Another piece is to, to um, help with non-food coping strategies. So there's uh, a worksheet that helps generate more ideas that you can try without um, not going to food or in addition to food so you have some options because it's fine to have food like for emotional reasons. We do it all the time, right? Even when you think about like birthday cake and other celebrations or even toasting at a wedding something like that right everybody takes a sip why it's not because we're thirsty it's because it's what you do right so there's all kinds of reasons to eat when you're not hungry or thirsty um and so it's okay again taking that back to neutral but if you want something else to help you cope with your emotions this worksheet will help you with that and then um there's a journal uh about your stress eating really uncover raise your awareness of what is going on in your particular situation because the situation will drive the options and the things that you might want to experiment with, right? So not everybody's stress eating is the same and that journal will help you uncover like, what is it for you? Um, so that is, wow. And where can fun. people find that? Um, in the website, um, confidentnutritionnow.com forward slash, uh, stress eating bundle. Awesome. And we'll have that in the show notes. Kylie, you had a question for Shelly, another one, right? Yeah, I just, I wanted to, and this is a great segue, Shelly. So as we're sort of coming to a close here, I wanted to ask you, because I think I know what the answer is, but I want other people to hear it. 
how much of the work that you do with people has very little to do with actual food and so much more to do with their mindset and the way that they are unlearning or subconsciously learned or are afraid of or are um you know substituting for which is like you know none of that is about food how much of your conversations with people are are centered around those sorts of things i'd say the majority of them include those things through the lens of food so i'm not a like a mental health counselor So I wouldn't dive into like your childhood trauma and all the details of that. I might say something more like forward thinking about, okay, so those thoughts that are coming up right now, like you're hearing those voices about that person telling you certain things. So how are you going to approach this current situation? Like, do we want to practice some distancing strategies, like emotional distancing strategies so that you can put those like that voice like in a corner and say, thank you. Or you know, oh, you know what? I see you knocking on that door. You're not welcome here at this party Um, or whatever it is, right? That that you can kind of separate yourself from that and then create a new thought and introduce a new character into that that mindset world, right? And say, hey, you know, this person now is the person I'm going to listen to more, right? And this is like maybe a new me who's saying, hey, uh, this food is acceptable. You are acceptable. What you eat doesn't change who you are. What you eat doesn't change your worth. You already have worth. You already have value that's already predetermined um, that that, you know, we do include those things. But it, again, it's all through that mindset of uh, or the lens of wellness and food, um, not really like <laughs> just diving into trauma for the sake of healing the trauma itself directly, um, but more about like, how is that showing up in this realm? Yeah, mm. I refer a lot to to mental health therapists and, and counselors mm. and things like that if the person needs. And it's always a great Fit. Like for somebody who's already gone through counseling and kind of knows, you know, knows that side of themselves and can think about it in that way um, brings a lot to to our discussions, too, because then we can kind of go back and forth. But like, OK, so remember when your counselor said this thing, how is it applicable now? Or you're having this question about this and you realize that it's something from in the past. Great. Would you like to go talk to your counselor about that now? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, there is like a ton of that a ton of that overlap. Um, but yeah, I, I think mine is definitely more, I mean, like my title, right? Nutrition mindset versus yeah. just nutrition. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not a, hey, tell me what to eat. Give me this list of good and bad foods, right? Yeah. It's much more like, tell me the how and the why. And, and then we'll oh. kind of focus on the what after you get that set. Oh my God. Ugh, I love that. This conversation has been so, so amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Kylie, Meg. It's been really fun to talk with you. Yay, awesome. Thank you so much for listening to Curious Women. If you love our show, you can support us by leaving us a five-star rating and review. And if you know someone else who would really love our show, please share it with them too.